0: 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is where we're going to land and finish this series. How many of you have gotten some out of this series that's life? Come on. Hopefully it's been practical and applicable to you. I cannot wait. I want to say this. If, if you have no other option, get here next weekend because we're going to begin our brand new Jimmy series. It's going to be a study through the book of James. I want to encourage you, get crazy, get wild, buy a new book, notebook this week, all right, and uh, bring it to church, and uh, we're going to fill it up. We're going to continue the rest of our summer in the book of James. It's kind of going to be a verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Um, I don't do that all the time, but when I do, we do it in James, and so um, <laughs> some of you will get that reference later. Uh, but anyways, we're going to walk through James. It's an awesome book. Um, it's going to be absolutely phenomenal. I want to encourage you to be here, and that's going to take us all the way into September, um, and uh, then we're going to launch into a bunch of new things come September. So, but with that, First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verses fifty to fifty-eight. This is Paul the apostle writing. He writes this to his uh, to the Corinthian church. He says, "I tell you this, brothers: flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery." Where is your victory, O death? Where is your sting? Verse 56. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. Come on, how many of you are excited that the Bible is the ultimate but? Come on. It is the ultimate but. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. This morning as we close out our series, That's Life, I want to speak to you from the subject from death to life as we deal with the issue of death and loss. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you this morning that uh, that you got out of the grave, your son Jesus, so that we could have life and life to the fullest. And I pray this morning for every single person that sits in this building, that will sit in this building in services to come, I pray for those of us that need comfort this morning, that you would comfort us. For those that need hope this morning, you would give us hope. For those of us who need peace, you would establish peace. For those of us who need joy, you would give us joy. God, I pray that every single one of us would know that you are good and that you are for us and not against us. That in this place, there is safety within community. It commands your blessing. And that where two or three are gathered, you are in their midst. And so I thank you this morning that in this gathering of people known as your church, that you are right here in the middle of us. And it's in your presence that we find freedom. And we know that your word says that who the sun sets free is free indeed. So set us free this morning, God. Set captives' mind, captive minds free this morning. Set captive hearts free this morning. And where we are blind, I pray that we would see, God. I thank you for what it is that you're doing in this place and in our hearts and in our lives and in our minds. In Jesus' mighty name, come on. And everybody shouted, amen. amen. Hey, baby girl, how you doing? It's good to see you in here. Hi. <laughs> I love you. I got my fidget spinner. All right, sorry, distraction. She's gorgeous. So Um, I want to deal with a subject this morning that for a lot of us is kind of hard to wrestle with. Um, It's a subject that the church doesn't wrestle with that often, actually. Uh, We know it, we understand it, uh, but we don't wrestle with it, we don't talk about it that often, especially in church services on Sunday. I want to deal with the issue of death this morning. I know, super encouraging, right? We don't publicize that on our website. Come to church Sunday, we're talking about death. (laughs) Because no one comes. Um, But it's a subject matter that actually, at the end of the day, is a very beautiful subject matter to handle because there's a lot that we need to understand about it. As, As Christ followers, there's a lot that we need to understand about the the issue of death, and it's something that I've actually had to talk about recently, personally, and in many other moments throughout this this year, uh, as we heard about this morning, somebody praying for the loss, uh, us praying for the loss that uh, someone in our church is, is experiencing. We went on vacation a few weeks ago, months ago, a month ago, um, and uh, we were in this whole moving process, a lot going on, everything was crazy in our life, and just about a week before we were getting ready to go on vacation, uh, I got a call, I was in a counseling appointment, and I got a call from my wife, and the rule is, is I always answer the, I always answer the phone, and so I answered the phone, I picked it up, and I said, hey, is everything, is everything all right? And uh, she said, yeah, but uh, uh, Chi-Chi's having a seizure, Chi-Chi's our chihuahua, and uh, so Chichi was having a seizure, and the dog was acting really weird and kind of all over the place. And, of course, the kids were really sad. Daddy, pray for the dog, and, and so we're doing this. And I, I pray for the dog, and, and Erica's like, you, you know, come home as soon as you can so we can deal with him. I'm like, I don't know how to deal with a seizuring dog. And so it was a weird moment in my life, <laughs> in this moment. And so uh, Chi-Chi got back up. She's a resilient little chihuahua. And... Uh, and so she was fine, and then we started the moving process and getting ready to go on vacation, and everything was crazy, and everything was nuts, and we, the dog was acting a little weird. And so sure enough, we went on vacation, and, and uh, we got to Houston where we were meeting my parents and uh, my sister-in-law, and it was our, our nephew's first birthday, and so we got there, and literally the first conversation we had, they walked in, and they said, hey, we gotta, we gotta tell you something. And of course, that's when Erica's like, the dog's dead, isn't she? <laughs> we're like, she so said, yeah, that Chi-Chi, Chi-Chi died. Now, I feel really bad because Jordan Weeby over here, um, he was our dog sitter. So I blame it on him. Uh, but <laughs> so, so, she, so she, Chi-Chi died in the presence of Jordan Weeby. <laughs> <laughs> under the care of Jordan Weeby. So don't ask him for babysitting either way, okay? So <laughs> in all honesty, he's a great house dog people sitter, okay? He'll, he'll do you well, he'll do you well. <laughs> uh, so I felt bad, so we were like, dude, please tell Jordan, like, oh man, we feel ho- horrible about this situation, and it, it's only ha- a situation that happens in, in, in church life. So of course, we had to deal with then telling our kiddos, um, so we brought Justice and Shiloh in, and hey, we, we need to tell you guys, you know, something's happened, and, what, what's happened? And so we said, Chi-Chi died. Justice looks at me and goes, I'm not gonna cry. That was that was my boy's that was my boy's response. I'm not gonna cry. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. My daughter, on the other hand, started crying and started sobbing. And so we got to comfort her and, and talk through it. And then how many of you know as a parent, the questions ensue? Right? And that's what really got me kind of locked into this message that I want to deal with today, is because the questions about death and life have ensued since then, you know. They've mainly circulated around like, do dogs go to heaven and and things like that, and we've got to theologically work through that premise and um, so on and so forth. So we've been able to do that with our kids and, and talk through some of those things, but I started thinking about it. Many of us, if it's fair to say, don't handle death well. But I think the reason that we don't handle death well is that for many of us, we don't understand it. More importantly, I think we don't view it through the appropriate lens. I think for a lot of us, we view death and loss through the lens of simply our feelings and our emotions and things like that. Um, The fact that we've just lost somebody or we've just lost something. But rather, the most important thing and the best thing that we can do, come on somebody, is inform our lives, biblically speaking. And the best way that we can view death and loss is through the lens of Scripture. And this is what Paul is dealing with right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, is he's dealing with the issue of death. And he's helping us understand that there's a lot more to it than we understand. Every single one of us is going to experience this issue at some point or another in life, whether it's us physically moving on in life or us experiencing the loss of something or somebody close to us, we are all going to face it, 100% of us are going to know this issue. The question is, can we handle it appropriately, and do we view it in such a way that informs our lives to allow us to continue to be healthy and God-honoring in the midst of it? And that is what I want to deal with this morning. The authors of the New Bible Dictionary say this about the reality of death. An arresting feature of New Testament teaching on death is that the emphasis is actually on Life. Someone shout life this morning. A new life that is found in in Jesus. And I love this particular piece of scripture as it speaks to the triumph that is actually found in the death of our lives. For those of us who put their faith, hope, trust in Jesus, there's there's more. There's something greater. And as the Bible speaks of death, at the same time, it's trying to remind us that there is still life ahead eternal life the Bible teaches us some very specific things that we must understand about death and that's what I want to I want to deal with this morning and you may be kind of like right now trying to figure out where is he going with this thing trust me it's going to be applicable to us you're going to gain something out of this um because we've got to understand it. We've got to, we've got to deal with this issue. So I want, I want to talk about three things this morning that death teaches us, um, that biblically it teaches us, and, and then hopefully we can land this airplane and land this series That's Life and, and we're going to move on. I need everybody to help me out this morning. Can you shout number one? The first thing that we need to understand about death is that it is not final. Death is not, not final. 1 Peter chapter 1, three through 3-5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance, watch this, that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. See, this truth helps us understand and realize that there is more to life and more importantly, there is more life to death. Understanding that death is not final should force each and every single one of us to examine our lives and ask the question, have I placed my faith in Jesus? Have I placed my faith in In Jesus. Now, there's this common teaching that's starting to gain ground in the culture that we we live in. Here at the well, we believe in the Bible, the full counsel of the Bible, classical Christianity as it is and as we know it. If you want to know more about that, come to our Grow class and we talk through that. But here's the deal there's a teaching, a new wave of teaching that's coming out in our generation that is doing away with the idea of eternity. We don't want to deal with heaven, we don't want to deal with hell, we don't want to deal with those, th- those things because we don't necessarily understand the nature and the character of God. So we're taking away eternity, we don't like that portion of the Bible. But can I tell you something? That if you take away eternity, you start messing with the cross. And if you start messing with the cross, you start messing with Jesus. And if you start messing with Jesus, then we start messing with the whole foundation of this thing. But last time I checked, there was a God that so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus to die, be buried, raised again so that you and I might have life and life to the fullest so we may understand that death is going to come. But come on, somebody. There is an eternity waiting for us in heaven and it's through death that we then escape into this next place with Jesus. He bought and paid for it. He bought and paid for it. Death is not final. This is the essence and the substance of, of the gospel we can't take it away and it's something that we don't like to talk about very much because it's well it's not popular right not very many of us woke up this morning and said hey i can't wait to go to church we're talking about death not many of you went to your neighbors and said, hey guys we're talking about death this morning come free coffee (laughs) no but i'll tell you something if we don't handle this subject appropriately, then really at the end of the day, I actually, as a person, as, as a person who's pursuing Jesus, I question the point of it all anyways. Because we've got to understand that there's more. Did you know that there's eternity and then there's the 80 plus years that you and I live? <laughs> In the scheme of eternity, this is nothing. Yeah, exactly. This is nothing. And a lot of us freak out about this and forget about this we're so consumed with this and we forget about this and so this morning my task the task at hand is to help us have an have an understanding of of death and finality but at the same time understand that that finality well there isn't really one there's just more one of the greatest ways that we do this is by understanding that death is not final. We can process our pain, our hurt, our trauma, our loss, and every other emotion that comes with loss when we direct it through the filter of eternity. The Bible is teaching that life is not over. On the contrary, it's really just beginning. I had somebody ask me, it's a question that's pretty much asked to me every single weekend, why do you shout so much? You want to get to know the pastor here? Why? why? And here's why. This is why. Because people need to know about Jesus. Simple as that. They don't need to know about the well. They don't need to know about this, that, or that. They need to know about Jesus. And I've just decided long ago on my knees before God, weeping and crying, that I would continue to shout until my voice gave out the power, the love, the grace, the mercy, the hope, and the salvation that is found in And Jesus. Come on, somebody. That sounds like a good God to me. And that's the God that I serve. That's the God that I shout about every single weekend. So if I get excited talking about this stuff, if I get excited about Jesus getting up out of the grave, it's only because I'm just making sure that you leave here and you know, man, there's a Jesus who loves me. And there's a real eternity that I'm heading to. And this all hangs in the balance. But even more so than that, I pray that our church, the well, has a shout that's so loud in this city. From the highways, to the byways, to the broken places, to the lit up places, From the poor to the rich, every sphere or in every arena of our city, I pray that our church has a shout like no other that reaches people, points people to Jesus, and lets them know there's more after this life. There's more. So the first thing that we need to understand, come on, anybody excited in here? Death is not final. Death is not final. Number two, every shout number two. Peace is present. Peace is present. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7 says this, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say what? Rejoice. Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Come on, that's for somebody this morning. (laughs) Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Watch what happens when we do that. When we rejoice, we don't get anxious, we pray about everything, we we shout at God, we help, we do all those things. Watch what he does, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Come on, have you ever been in a place where you just didn't understand it anymore? Come on, have you ever been in a situation where it was beyond your comprehension, beyond your understanding? Come on, have you ever sat in a diagnosis and it didn't make sense? You sat before a family member and the relationship's marked and it didn't make sense. Anybody in here where their marriage didn't make sense at one point or another? Don't say anything. Come on, has there ever been a moment in your life where the pain was beyond your comprehension? You asked why, why? Come on, how many of you ever asked the question why and you don't get why? This is what he's saying. This is what Paul is saying is that in the midst of the moments of life that we don't understand it, that we don't comprehend it, and we don't get it. When we give everything to God, when we understand not to be anxious about it and then we pray about it, there is a peace of God which surpasses all understanding and it guards our hearts and our minds. In Christ Jesus. In other words, in the moment of death and loss, peace is present. It's present. Before I was a senior pastor, before we planted the church here in Utah, um, my wife and I, we pastored a ministry in Phoenix. It was young adults everywhere. And uh, it was crazy. It was awesome. It was in Scottsdale, Arizona. And we had this thriving young adults ministry. We started with like 15 young adults and the thing just took off and a lot of really cool, cool stuff happening. I, I, believe, in, I believe in young adults and, and uh, the, the place and position that they're in, in life to, to influence different sectors of our society. And so we went after it. And I'll tell you what, I've never experienced so much pain and heartache as a pastor as I did in those moments. Unfortunately, there were moments that I had to do funerals as a young adults pastor, which is unnatural because there's no reason that a young adult should have their life taken away at those age. And I'll never forget, probably the one that stands out to me the most, Eric and I got a call after our Christmas Eve services, um, three services like we do here, and we got a call, would have been probably about nine o'clock at night, Christmas Eve, of a family whose son was in our young adult ministry. They'd found him in Flagstaff, executed from a drug deal gone bad. 21 years of age, Christmas Eve night. How many of you know that those parents in that moment had no understanding? And in that moment, they were broken and they were shattered and we were blown away. I mean, I didn't even know how to comprehend the thing that had just happened. And here we are, Christmas Eve night, sitting in their living room. I'll never forget it. Faintly lit Christmas tree in the background. Two younger siblings, a mom and a dad sitting there, sobbing, weeping, because they had no comprehension. Of what had just taken place and it was this scripture that came to mind as we're watching this family process through loss and death in this moment this scripture came to mind and I'll tell you I've never felt anything like it before when we just prayed a simple prayer God we need your peace the peace that surpasses all understanding when it doesn't add up and it doesn't quantify and it doesn't make sense and I'll tell you what God breathed on that moment and there was a peace like no other in the midst of one of the most tragic things that I've ever experienced as a pastor I had the privilege of doing that young man's funeral standing before family and friends friends who were caught up in his way of life and i'll tell you what it was the most amazing thing to be given the opportunity at this young man's funeral to give a gospel presentation from a man's life who would kind of gone wayward and watched kids young adults come to know who jesus is because in the death of this young man God was still glorified. It's peace. It's present. And for some of us today, we may be saying, you know, Jason, I, I'm, I'm not experiencing anything like that right now. Like, I, I, my, my life is good. Everybody is here. Everything's going well. Like, I, I don't, why do I have to deal with this? Do I have to talk about this right now? And I just find it appropriate to make sure that we're walking through life on the offense. Because so many times these moments that are unexpected, they derail us. Because they hit us from nowhere. But man, to know the surpassing peace that is offered in and through Jesus Christ, no matter what the situation may be, whether it's loss or a bad situation or a divorce or whatever it may be, that we have a peace in God like no other. It's not a manufactured peace. It's not a bought peace. It's a gift of peace that is only found in the person of Jesus. It's a peace like no other. And so we've got to understand that we have peace in Jesus and we've got to allow the peace of God to help us work through our grief, our pain, our loss. And all of us have different ways that we handle it. But the common denominator in it all is that God is available to all of us. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. God is available to you. God is available in your darkest moment. God is available in your hardest moment. God is available in your weakest moment. Listen, God is, avail- uh, is available in your most doubting of moments. A lot of us think that Jesus can't handle our doubt. Yeah, he can. If he can, da- if he can handle your eternity, he can handle your doubt. Come on. <laughs> He's there. And it's the peace of God that brings healing and calm to our lives. Number three, everybody shout number three for me. The Last one is this. The last thing that we need to understand is that life is important life is important Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 to 10 it says this for by the grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing it is the gift of God not a result of works so that no one may boast in other words we need to hear this this morning church you can't earn salvation You can't develop it. It's not based upon your pedigree, your race, your background, your this, your that. It is Jesus. Only Jesus forever will be Jesus. If you try to do it another way, it ain't going to work. That's good news right there. That is the essence of the gospel that he freely gave. His life for you and for me. It's not based in ritual. It's not based in some sort of regimented way of doing life. It's not caught up in religion. It ain't for being in the four walls of this church. It's not about how you give or how you serve or anything like that. Grace, the unmerited favor of God, the free gift of Jesus is there and available to each and every single one of us. Why? Because he loved us. I love that. Because he loved us. Simple as that. Verse 9, it's not a result of works, this to no one of a boast. Watch what then he says. He says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, the Bible teaches us that life is but a vapor. Here in one moment and gone just as quickly. See, life is full of too many opportunities and moments to just let it go by. So to our church this morning, to every single one of us this morning, I want to say this as as loud and as passionate as I possibly can. Listen, seize life, live it to the fullest, love people, love God, love this city, make the most of every opportunity because life's a vapor. But there's another reason that this point is so important. Life is important. And I think that the reality of death should lead us to ask a very important question. What is life? Why is it so important? Some of us have wrestled with that question for decades. Years, months, for some of us, you're wrestling with that question right now. What is life? Why is it so important? Ephesians gives us the why. Why? It answers it for us. See, Paul presents to us that life is the time allocated to each of us to walk in what Christ has already prepared for us. We're to bring glory to him in whatever way possible and use our time known as life to show his great grace to the world around us. And what I find difficult, maybe you're like me, is that we have a tendency to get caught up in life rather than caught up in the purpose of life. I'm going to say that one more time. Many of us are frustrated, and I've been there many, many times. If you're a human being, I think you've been there. That so many of us are caught up in life rather than be caught up in the purpose of life. And they're two very different things. And there's a very thin line separating the two. And death teaches us that there is a purpose to life, and that purpose must be pursued. Workmanship. If you do me a favor this morning, if you'd turn to your neighbor, if you have one, I'd love for you to just tell them, you're God's workmanship. Come on. Turn to your other neighbor and say, the workmanship turned out all right. (laughs) I don't know if you knew this or not. The Greek word that is used When Paul writes workmanship, is the Greek word that we derive the English word poem from. Poem. How many of you have ever read a poem? I read Dr. Seuss last night to my boy. It's about as far as I go. It's good stuff. It changes my life on the daily. (laughs) Dad, this rhymes. I said, I know, son. It's Dr. Seuss. He's the man. (laughs) But I thought about that as I was thinking about this message today. Poem. God says about you, you are his poem. You are this labored over work. See, I think for many of us, we have the picture sometimes that that God simply is this machinist and we are the product of this factory, and people are just being spewed out on this track, and it's just one person after one person after one person after one person, and I want to let you know this morning, especially those of us who are maybe dealing with the idea of purpose, and we're struggling whether there is purpose to life. We say that life is important, because out of the heart of God, and through the hand of God, there is a purpose that is attached to every single one of our lives, every single one of your lives. It is not on accident that you are breathing right now. It is not on accident that you have the breath in your lungs it's because he's attached something to your life. He's put something very personal very real for you to chase after you are the product of a great God and he sat down one day and he labored over you formed you to the point where the Bible teaches us that before we were even born God knew us and he sat down one day and he labored and he pulled out his clay and he put it on the potter's wheel the Bible says and he started to form and some of us we got a little bit lopsided in that forming it's alright and he started to build he started to create he started to make and he said we'll put these eyes in her so that she can see the world the way that I see the world I'm going to put this mouth on him so that he can speak the words that I need him to speak. I'm going to put this personality in in her so that she can shape and form the sphere of influence that she's going to find herself in. I'm going to put this heart in him so that when he's squeezed through the trials and the testings of life, there's going to be a sweet fragrance that comes out of him. An oil of anointing that is going to leak onto the people around him. And they're going to find me in the midst of his most tragic of moments. He labored over you. You are his work, his craftsmanship. And we're living in a world right now, church, that is trying to mar the very beauty that God created. we got to stop. we got a generation that's killing itself, trying to change the very fabric that you've been created to be. It's as if if we were to go downtown and we find ourselves a little art studio. We were to look on the wall and we were to see this beautiful Van Gogh painting or whatever other painting worth millions of dollars, beautiful in people's eyes. How many of you know that if I were to all of a sudden pull out a paintbrush in my favorite can of paint and go to hit that paintbrush across that canvas, how many of you know there would be four people in line to tackle me? There would be some people, stop! Don't touch that, it's one-of-a-kind and for many of us we don't see that life is important because we don't understand the workmanship that we are we think that we're just another person in the conveyor belt of God's hand but I want to tell you something this morning church if you don't hear anything else this morning death shows us that life is important why because there is purpose Attached to your life. There's purpose attached to your life. There is a plan, a reason, a rhyme in existence. It wasn't an afterthought, it was God's holy hand saying, This is my son, this is my daughter. I've created a future for them. Some of you right now are struggling this weekend. Struggling with this reality. What is my purpose? Is there a purpose? Do I have a purpose? And I want to tell you, with everything that I am this morning, you absolutely have a purpose. As long as there is breath still left in your lungs, be the work of art that God's called you to be. Be His workmanship. Keep going, keep running, keep believing. Death teaches us that it's not final. Death teaches us, well, that there's peace present in the midst of it, and death teaches us life is important. And I pray this morning that every single one of us would understand that there is a redemptive purpose in God's hand, and as long as you still have the breath in your lungs, there is still more for this life and the life to come. In Jesus' name, come on, would you stand to your feet with me in this moment?